You're listening to Amphibicast. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining me again. Tonight's episode is going to be a rundown of some of the pros and cons of the different materials that we use to create artificial backgrounds. And by artificial backgrounds, of course, I mean the 3D backgrounds that many of us like to incorporate into our vivariums to give them a very unique three-dimensional look with a lot of depth and a great place to anchor plants and hides for the animals. All in all, I think we're all pretty much familiar with how that works and what the dynamic is. But there's a lot of different choices when it comes to building materials. And a lot of people that I've been following on Instagram, I see a lot of the stuff that people post, and I've picked up a couple of tips of my own, and I see certain materials that people are using more than others, and I see certain materials that people are just starting to use. So I thought it might be fun to run down a list of some of the pros and cons of the different materials that I've personally used, and I'm going to outline them in terms of price point. I took some time to just go through some of the more common vendors or whatnot and kind of get an average asking price for some of this stuff. So I'm going to break it down in terms of price point and some of the pros and some of the cons. And I think it would be best if we started off with what's, I guess people consider it the gold standard, which would be polyurethane foam. Now, polyurethane foam, much like the rest of these materials, has been repurposed for a different uh, option. Obviously, polyurethane foam comes in a can. It's a spray foam. It's used to seal cracks and gaps for different applications. There's a fire block. uh, There's insulation. There's all sorts of stuff. There's even a pest control one. I tend to like to use the black pond and uh, stone because it comes in a larger container and it's black. It's easier to hide imperfections and whatnot. I know a lot of people out there like to use the yellow. The yellow was what was most readily available for a while, but to me, it takes a lot of effort to kind of conceal that yellow. Although I do like to spray paint the outside of the backs of my vivariums just to kind of give it a more sleek look. That's something that I've been doing for a while. And then if I do use the polyurethane foam, I'll kind of go over that just way. At least you're not seeing this yellow or whatever, yellow or black mess from the back of the tank when you can't see it. So that's just a little trick that I do. Um, but let's, uh, let's discuss, let's discuss it from start to finish. Okay. So price point, it's relatively inexpensive. $10 or so will get you a 12 ounce can. The problem is you're obviously, unless you're doing a really, really small bill, you're probably gonna need more than one can, but let's get to the pros. All right. So pros, it's great at filling in gaps since it expands, it works well to fill in spaces between things like cork bark or driftwood or stones or a water feature that you kind of want to work on a little bit. It's great for stuff like that, even if you don't use it completely on its own as a full background, which I'm kind of steering away from as I hinted at before. So if you've got some cork rounds or some uh, driftwood spider, whatever it is, and you want to fill in some of the gaps, this is this is definitely the material for that. This is where it outperforms all others. It's waterproof, and it actually cures with moisture. One of the tricks that I don't know everybody's familiar with is when you're spraying the stuff down, once it starts to puff out and it starts to get that uh, that kind of hard shell on the outside, if you have a really fine spray bottle and you spray it with some water, it'll speed up the curing time dramatically. In fact, you'll actually hear it kind of tighten up once you spray that on there. So as far as going moisture resistant, it definitely gets a plus. I wouldn't be surprised if the stuff lasted into perpetuity long after uh, we were all gone. So it can be carved. In fact, it really has to be carved, which is nice. So you can create a layer that you want to use, and then you can carve it into different shapes, however you want to add it. It does make a lot of waste, but it gives you a little bit more creativity in terms of custom making the size and shapes and dimensions that you might want. 
It can also be covered in other things. You can paint it with dry lock, which is a very popular method. I know a lot of people like to do the dry lock method. I've done it myself. I have also found that you can take the 100% silicone, which I know people like to do. You take it and you put it in the brush. Honestly, you can use the old cap from the polyurethane foam and you pour a whole bunch of silicone in there, take a lousy brush and just paint it over that and cover it in dried out cocoa fiber or substrate or whatever it is that people like to do. That's another reason to use the black because you won't see the yellow if there's any little spots that you missed. But that's, that's I don't want to get it too much into techniques, but uh, you can also cover it with things like Hydrolon if you want to have uh, if you want to have plants growing up the back but you want to have a little bit of texture that's another way to do it and uh, it expands it can cover a wide area but the thing is it's you really have to gauge how much you need and definitely get more so for i mean i would just estimate for a 36 by 18 terrarium one can probably enough but it depends on how aggressive you are with it you might need two it depends i've done enclosures where i've gone through three cans just for a number of reasons so that kind of leads us into some of the cons um one of the cons is it's 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 really permanent i mean you can get it off a glass with a razor blade relatively easily but you really can't get it off of anything else so your hand your clothes the kitchen floor kitchen table uh, is big no-no because if this stuff drips on something it you're, it's over you're doomed it's never it's never coming off um another con you may get a bad can which has happened to me where i've bought a couple of cans and i pop the cap off i put the little tube applicator on and i go to start spraying and about a foot or so in i realize that the can's bad which i've had happen i don't know if it's happened to any of you but uh the, the liquid comes out really really thick it doesn't come out and puff up it should kind of look like a marshmallow after you leave it over the campfire for too long if that's a good analogy they should really puff up and swell and if you get a bad can it's not going to cure properly and it's going to be really really messy so i've had out of the last maybe 10 or 15 cans that i've bought i've had three that were bad so that's another thing is if you are going to start and you're going to have a potential to have a bad can keep a reserve because you might need to pull that out quick so that's definitely a con is i've found them unreliable i might be the only one the rest of you might never have a problem with it but that's just been me so that's definitely con is you might get a defective can another con is there really isn't much of a margin for error once you start spraying once you start that you're kind of committed to it because it's going to swell inside the tip of the applicator as well so once you stop pouring even if you take a couple of seconds it's going to kind of gum up the applicator and it may make it hard to start again so it's one of those situations where once you pull that trigger you're kind of married to it until it stops so if you don't have a good idea in terms of how you want to lay things out or if you do a layer a little bit too thick or a little bit too light uh, you can carve it and go back again later but remember you're pretty much married to it so if you make a mistake yeah you can carve a lot of it out but you might not be able to get it off of a certain spot if there is a bit of driftwood or something like that that you accidentally went over and you didn't want to or you ended up getting into high or whatever it's it's really not easy to undo that so if you want to do this for your first background I would just say use some care and use some caution because if you make a mistake, it's it's it can be an expensive mistake, especially if you have a larger vivarium. In fact, what I've recommended to people about polyurethane foam is to take an old fish tank or something that you don't care if you mess it up and practice on that first. I wish I had done that before committing to more expensive 
enclosures when I first started out because I wasn't happy with the result. So if you want to practice, get an old fish tank out of the basement and have at it. You'll learn more just from that one or two tries, then you'll be better off doing it the second time if you want to do it on a more expensive vivarium that you want to have on display or whatever. So some more cons. Um, really, I think it's just the permanent nature of it. It's just the fact that you can't, you can't take it out and, and test fit it like some of the other backgrounds. So if you're unhappy with it, it's stuck to the glass. You can't pull it out again the way you would some of the other materials that we get into. But it has its pluses. And one other thing that people do have some problems with as a con is if it doesn't adhere properly to the back of to the back wall of vivarium and you can usually tell that if you flip it around you can kind of see that it still looks gooey almost like a like a maple syrup or a really moist like doughy kind of kind of appearance and that can cause problems because you're gonna have a pocket back there that's just not never going to cure and at some point which is possible i've seen it happen not to me but to others that background might actually separate and fall away and you're gonna have a huge trail of goo back there which is not a lot of fun so as a whole background, again, I wouldn't really recommend it anymore. I, I did it for a while. It's not my cup of tea, but if you want to try it, I would say practice on something first. Also, if you want to add some detail to it, take the time and take some uh, plastic egg crate or something that you can flesh it out a little bit more and make a skeleton. You'll get a better result at the end. And the last thing is definitely don't overdo it. If you go too thick with this stuff, more than like an inch and a half, two inches, it will not cure properly. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but I've seen people pile it on and I did it myself, pile it on six, eight inches thick. And you know what happens? That center layer just never cures and it stays gooey. And it's kind of like touching a a pizza in the oven when it isn't ready to go. When you get those bubbles on it, the whole thing just shrivels up and falls apart. So I hope I'm not stymieing anybody's impressions of this stuff, but uh, it can go very well. It can also go bad, but those are some pros and cons. So take that for what it's worth. The next material I wanted to cover is cork bark. And cork bark, we can, there's all different options. We can have the natural cork rounds, cork halves, whatever it is that come straight off the tree. There's actually cork trees. I've, I've seen them. It's actually pretty cool how they harvest them. But there's also pressed acoustic panels and tiles. So you have a, a number of options out there in terms of what's available. And it's really just a matter of personal choice because the material is essentially the same. In terms of price, it varies. I've seen tiles, an 18 by 18 tile, anywhere from like 15 to 30 bucks. I've seen flats by the pound. I've, I've seen them all different prices. So the, I, I really can't give you an exact quote on what a cork round or a cork uh, panel would cost. You'd have to go online. But those are kind of the ranges that I found. And they come in different sizes. Most of them are, are realistically sized for smaller vivariums. So if you're looking to do a small vivarium like a 10 gallon to vertical conversion or one of like the, the exoterras or the zoom eds, you can generally buy pre-cut cork bark that are that's flat for the background with really minimal effort. In fact, I bought one for a crested gecko enclosure that I did. And yeah, I, I have crested geckos now. And I did a 10 gallon conversion, use a black silicone silicone the background straight to the back it looks like the base of a tree i was happy with it so if you want something that looks a little bit more like the base of a tree or whatever it's it's not a bad option i know some people prefer to get a little bit more elaborate but it, it can definitely work uh then the other the other nice thing about it is it, the, the cork box you can lay them out however you want inside the tank whatever 
and dry fit them, test them, see if you like the way it looks and you're not committed to it until you actually seal it in with something else, whether that's silicone or, or polyurethane foam or whatever it is that you're using. So the cork bark definitely has some benefit in terms of price point. It's, it's, it's affordable. You can usually get it in an expo or online or any of that stuff. I mean, you can pretty much find it anywhere. Dry fit and it's great. It is generally pretty waterproof. Water drains off of it at, when you have it on the horizontal. I have some flats in my mossy frog enclosure that have become essentially just like saturated. But even the walls that I have, I have kind of a paludarium. I don't know if any of you have seen the video of it, but uh, I have a little water feature that goes down and I have a lot of moss that grew in on top of the cork bark and believe it or not, on the polyurethane foam because it's a combo. But the cork bark does seem to be a little bit more water resistant than some of the other materials like like just conventional driftwood like um trying to think a few examples uh spider wood will, will wick some water up a little bit ghost wood i've seen wick a little bit water up uh it really just depends but the cork bark seems to be fairly water resistant so it won't rot which is another good choice because in high humidity enclosures obviously we don't want the wood to rot another benefit is it's also extremely light and a lot of driftwoods, especially like Mopani, like Mopani driftwood is extremely dense and it's extremely heavy. I've used that in a couple of vivariums and I wish I hadn't just because of the sheer weight of it. So the fact that cork bark is extremely light, it also makes it nice if you have a weight constraint. Uh, you want to have a big 36 by 36 by 36, whatever on your desk or whatever. You don't want to weigh the thing down with a ton of materials. Cork bark is cork bark's probably on par with like the polyurethane foam. And it's really, really light. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other pros and cons while I have my list in front of me here. I really can't think of any more realistically. It's a pretty, it's a, it makes a pretty good background material, and it's good for filling in gaps. Like if you do go with the polyurethane foam, you can gently nestle some of the um, cork bark flats or whatever against the back and fill in the gaps with polyurethane foam. Uh, in my experience, don't lay the polyurethane foam out and then lay the cork bark on top of it. It won't adhere properly. So use something else like silicone. But uh, if you want to do kind of a hybrid setup, that's definitely something that works pretty well. Moving on, just getting back into the artificials again is definitely worth mentioning. I'd seen a couple of people using this again, and I had actually used this myself before I started out with the polyurethane foam. And these are the styrofoam insulation sheets. They're usually pink or purple generally available at big box hardware stores they i think they've usually got like the pink panther logo on them and uh that stuff is not like regular styrofoam like regular styrofoam is very very like it breaks up into little beads and it turns into popcorn this stuff is very very dense um and it carves very very well i've used everything from a, like a keyhole saw to an exacto knife to a steak i've used everything on it and it lends it's it's a very very versatile material because it lends itself so well to being carved in my opinion more so than the polyurethane foam just because the it's so densely packed it's not like the polyurethane foam where you get these huge bubbles so i feel like from an artistic perspective you can get a lot more detail in there if that's what you're looking to show off if you just want a background that's going to kind of be in the background and not really uh you know be too too eye catching because a lot of us cover the background with plants anyway uh, I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't go for it, but it definitely has the pros of being able to be much more easily carved. Uh, carving methods, I, I'm going to make a disclaimer. There's a, probably a lot of stuff that you really shouldn't do. 
that I have. I've used heat on it and things like that. Obviously, you don't want to do any of that if that's not, you know, uh, appropriate or whatever. So I'm going to disclaimer, you know, any of these artificial products that you use, use the discretion, follow the manufacturer's instruction, all that. But I've done some things outside the box and I found the material to be very, very versatile. It's also very easy to dry fit. So if you are unhappy with the way that it fits or the way that it looks, or you want to flip it around, you want to do 180, 360, whatever, uh, it, it lends itself very, very well to that. So you can take it out. It's a little bit tricky to get it in. You kind of have to finagle it if you've got a little bit of a lip on there. But I was able to take mine in and out several times and change a couple of things. You can also build it up a little bit. If you want to add ledges and things like that, you can use an adhesive to make edges. It's not particularly sturdy if you cut it and, and, you know, stack things on top of it, but it's lightweight. You can fit it in easily and it's a lot of fun to carve. I did a build for a vertical hex with two panels of that, that I was able to carve into buttress roots very, very easily. That's the other thing is if you like buttress roots, if you want a three-dimensional aspect to your background, this is definitely the material for you. You can, you can, it, it, it can be sanded. It can be painted. Uh, I've done crazy things like I've used a, I've used a heat gun on it to create texture. Please, please don't do that. But uh, there's a lot of different things. It's a very, very versatile material. Me personally, if I was going to do custom backgrounds, that would be my material of choice. Uh, I would recommend being careful with heat, though, as I said, because uh, a lot of the really closely packed i mean really any styrofoam products don't generally do too well when they're exposed to heat so if you do have an led light on the top of the tank that might be putting off a fair amount of heat because a lot of them do i don't care what people say they still put off heat uh that might be a consideration as opposed to something like cork bark which really isn't gonna heat up but just another another concern uh cons well for, actually i'm sorry i want to apologize I, i've totally forgot about the price point Price point is probably the biggest pro because you can get a four by eight sheet that's four feet by eight feet for about 32 bucks American. So if you're going to do a very large build, it would be something to consider because it's extremely cheap. So odds are it's probably going to cost you less than polyurethane foam and the cork bark and all that other stuff. And well, I mean, obviously the driftwood is a different matter, but it would definitely be budget wise a good choice because it's so cheap and it's available pretty much anywhere uh, again it's an artificial material use use discretion obviously don't do crazy stuff with it but uh, i will tell you i have done some pretty crazy stuff with it and uh, the end result is usually usually pretty good so if you've got some patience and you've got some artistic skills that you want to test out i would definitely recommend trying the foam sheets Next product I want to mention is, it's another artificial, it's Hygrolon is the trade name for it. For those of you who aren't familiar, Hygrolon almost looks like the cloth that you would find on speakers, or almost looks like, um, almost like the stuff you'd see on athletic wear, like uh, gym shorts and, and certain t-shirts. But the premise behind it is that it can wick water upward, which makes it great if you have a drip wall or something like that, you have plants that you want to anchor to it. Uh, the only problem with this is that you'd have to anchor it to something else. So you have to put something behind it. And then again, then you have any one of those choices. You have the polyurethane foam, cork, whatever it is that you want to cover it with. So that's a good plus, I guess, because it's very, very versatile. You could pin it, you could lay it over whatever you want. And then once it's grown in, you're going to not see it anymore. 
Well, that's also the con is you have to look at it until it grows in, which I know is kind of aesthetically not the best thing in the world. Looking at a artificially wrapped background that has little plants on it going, but um, I haven't tried it yet personally, but I know a lot of people who have, who really enjoy it just because of the fact that plants seem to adhere well to it. There's preferences, different people don't like it, whatever, but that's been my experience with it is I've seen people either really love it or they just really, really hate it. But it's definitely something to consider. Price-wise, I was able to find it online for a foot and a half by a foot and a half sheet, about $11. So it's not exactly the cheapest material in the world. You figure if you were doing a 36 by 36 inch background, you'd probably need maybe a few of those sheets or you'd have to buy a larger sheet. So you figure by the time all is said and done, you'd be out, what, maybe 50 bucks American plus whatever you put in for the background behind it. So it, I could see it getting a little bit expensive, a little bit cost, a little bit uh, cost prohibitive, but try it. If you like it, I don't really don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, next product is tree fern and tree ferns kind of a, kind of a controversial product just because it's not really that much of a renewable resource. I mean, to, to be honest, really nothing is despite what we tell ourselves, but as far as certain products go, I know, I know people are iffy about it. I have a couple of panels that I've had for years that I was saving for a special project, which I haven't used yet because for a while they were unavailable and I managed to get some while they were still available. They disappeared for a while and now they've come back again. So this was going over a couple of years. Price-wise, I was able to find a foot and a half by foot, uh, excuse me, foot and a half by foot and a half slabs or whatever you want to call it. I think it was a two pack for 30 bucks. So it's an expensive material. If you're going to do a big thorough background, at least here in the US anyway, it's a bit more pricey than some of the others. Pros, it has a very, very unique look to it. In my opinion, it almost looks like kind of like a tiki hut, but some people really like it. I know it's been popular in Europe. In fact, I think it was one of the more popular backgrounds for a while before a lot of the synthetics got developed and became more popular. It has almost like a kind of like a chaotic look to it, uh, like like grass or a, like I said, almost like Tiki Hut. Plants seem to do particularly well in it. There's a lot of surface area in there for things to root, and it has a kind of a kind of a dark coloration, or at least the ones that I have. So some of the enclosures that I've seen have it. It does kind of darken the place up a little bit, but again, once you get plants growing in there, it really shouldn't be too much of an issue. So. Uh, would I use that myself? Mm, again, I'm saving it for something special, but I am concerned about adhering it because since it doesn't have a flat surface to it, the way a lot of these other materials are, um, I could see it potentially becoming a problem adhering it to the back of the tank. I'd be afraid that if I put a bunch of silicone on the back of the tank and set the pad or the, or the slab or whatever it is on there, I'm just afraid that it might start to come away as time goes on. So, I mean, for those of you out there who've used tree fern panels, if you guys have had experience, let me know because I'd like to hear what some of you have experienced with it because I don't really see a tremendous amount of people using it anymore, which I don't know if that's just for a reason or one reason or the other, but it's definitely something to consider. So those are the majority of the most popular backgrounds I could possibly think of. The only others I could possibly add, and these are some things that... I really couldn't find any pros for, and really it's more for aesthetic reasons, and just I'll just give you guys a quick rundown of some of the stuff that I thought would make poor choices. 
Uh, the first choice really would be would be gravel, like pea gravel and rocks, just because they're really, really heavy. I find that they don't look that great because it almost looks like you've taken a riverbed and put it on its side. That's just my personal option, my, my personal opinion. I've seen people do it and I'm not exactly too happy with it myself, but it takes all kinds, I guess. Um, another background option that I've seen people do is regular foam, styrofoam, like you'd get packaged out of a box. Like you buy a, I don't know, you buy a CD player or whatever it comes in styrofoam. Uh, I will admit I have used that stuff myself in the past. It doesn't, it's not sturdy. It doesn't really hold very well. It's not as dense as a lot of the other products. And it's also a nightmare to work with because once you start to cut it or carve it, the whole thing falls apart and you've just got a handful like little styrofoam balls. So I would advise you to stay away from that stuff. Plus that stuff seems to do even worse with heat. And that's always a concern is obviously you want to make sure that everything in your tank is safe. And I know we don't use heat lamps and whatnot often in the dart frog world, but I don't know. Some of these LED lights have gotten pretty, 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 pretty hot. So I'd be concerned about putting anything underneath there that could have issues with the exposure to heat. So gravel, styrofoam, and I've seen some other oddball stuff that people have done, but it's not really as common as some of the other materials. I think I've, I've seen people do some pretty, I mean, I've seen people actually silicone leaf litter to, to the sides of enclosures and whatnot. And it just, I don't know. Again, I guess it takes all kinds, but um, not my personal preference. And I don't see that something that would be a long lasting, uh, sustainable option inside the vivarium because ultimately things do go down. So, well, I hope you guys enjoy this. I know it was a short list, but I was just kind of thinking, I thought I'd throw a couple of ideas out to all of you, see what you guys are using. And um, I don't know if you're new in the game, maybe some of these, uh, some of these uh, tips and uh, successes and failures helped enlighten you a little bit. And other than that, I mean, really the sky's the limit when you think about it. You know, Vivarium build is realistically just, it's a labor of love and um, it's a creative process and it's nice to see people out there doing builds and just working the magic that that everything goes into. And one last thing I do want to close on is, remember, it is a background. I've driven myself nuts working on backgrounds for certain times, only to have them covered up with plants. So if you do make a mistake or you're unhappy, just plant the tank like crazy and no one's even going to know that it's there other than you. So other than that, I guess it's uh, it's just a matter of personal preference. So, all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And uh, if you've got some feedback, if there's anything that you're interested in in terms of the vivariums and whatnot that you guys are working on, uh, let me know. You know, it's definitely a fun ongoing topic. And I know it's something that uh, everyone likes to do different techniques. So, Other than that, I wish all you guys the best, and I'll catch up with you again soon.